0: Chapter Fourteen of Zorberlinda, the Wise Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zorberlinda, the Wise Witch, by Eva Catherine Gibson. Chapter Fourteen: The Crawfish and the Crow. As the children walked along through the shadowy canyons, Eagle Feather told Annie many interesting stories of his life on the plains and in the forest. and So the time passed swiftly and pleasantly away. It was nearly sunset when they came to a stream of water which was tumbling down from the hills over a ledge of rocks. Nearby was an old pine tree and underneath it a carpet of dry pine needles. Eagle Feather said, We will camp here tonight. Then while Annie rested he cut some poles with his hunting knife and had soon rigged up a little teepee to shelter her for the night They gathered some dry pine cones and brush and built a fire in front of the teepee Evening had now darkened down upon them Annie looked up at the solemn old pine trees and heard the wind sighing through their branches she heard many strange noises the tremulous cry of the owl the crackling of twigs as a rabbit scurried home, the squeak of woodmice, and the whirr of big birds settling down for the night. She looked out into the dark shadows, and fancied she could see queer faces looking at her from the gnarled trunks of the old trees. Once or twice a will o the wisp flitted by, and Annie was sure she saw Wood Sprite's face peering at her from the branches overhead. As they wanted to rise early in the morning, Eagle Feather made Annie go to rest, and then he wrapped himself in his blanket and lay down beside the campfire. As they lay resting, the birds began to sing softly in the trees overhead. "They are talking to the Great Spirit," said Eagle Feather. "Everything in the forest speaks to him at night, thanking him for another day of sunshine and life." Everything in the woods awakens when the east is red and talks again to the great spirit and Then the birds sing their song of praise to him The flowers lift up their little cups all filled with dew and pour out their fragrance upon the air That is their praise to the great spirit who lives over the stars Soon the little white girl and the dark-skinned Indian boy were sound asleep in the heart of the ancient woods and while they slept all around them was the tread of padded feet walking over the pine needles the flutter of wings the calling of moose the howl of the wolves the cry of mountain lions the grunt of a bear as he shambled along in the darkness for all the wood folks were on their way to the place of the great meeting occasionally a big dusky form would come to the campfire and pause a moment looking at the little sleepers and then pass on Overhead great flocks of geese ducks and sandhill cranes were flying and calling to each other shrilly all hurrying on to the meeting place One seagull feather awakened in the night and hearing the commotion all around and overhead Smiled then turning over and wrapping his blanket once more closely around him. He said softly My brothers in fur and feathers are traveling far tonight there will be a great company to welcome Zorberlinda to-morrow." The next morning Eagle Feather arose before the sun was up, and caught some trout in the mountain stream. These he rolled up in leaves and clay, and baked in hot ashes. And by the time Annie was up, Eagle Feather had the breakfast cooked, and they washed their hands and faces in the mountain stream, and sat down to eat. While they were at breakfast, various travelers came along and joined their company. Eagle feather interpreted to Annie the strange sounds they made in talking in their own odd way Among the birds who began to arrive was a dignified black crow Who came hopping along cocking his head to one side his shining round black eyes full of prying Curiosity the company was proving so interesting that Eagle feather and Annie Concluded to make a day of it and rest there in the shade a pigeon and a sandhill crane joined their company an old rheumatic sarcastic-looking green parrot who had run away from a young lady's seminary waddled up to them on her crooked legs and kee a very retiring coyote sidled cautiously up and took a seat on the edge of the queer circle before the teepee annie thought sometimes that she surely must be dreaming it was so strange to see such a company assembled There were bears, rabbits, and squirrels, coyotes, and mountain lions, and rocky mountain sheep, beavers, muskrats, mink, and many other animals, all apparently on friendly terms. There were songbirds of every variety and color, and from every clime, and birds of bright plumage. There were assembled robins, orioles, mockingbirds, thrushes, and meadowlarks. Finally, a meadowlark suggested a song after much coaxing a thrush sang a ballad that was so sweet and full of tenderness there was not a dry eye in the whole assembly after the thrush's sweet song the hush that followed was broken by a long low heartbroken wail it came from kiyi who remarked that he was sad to-day as he was grieving over the loss of his brother said poor kiyi we both started out yesterday together to come up to the great meeting but the villainous cowboys caught sight of us, gave chase, and shot and killed my brother. He was my only friend, and now that he is dead I don't want to live any longer. To give the conversation a more cheerful turn, a clever mocking bird from the South gave an imitation of every bird in the forest. He mimicked them so well that it made every one laugh and finally the green parrot offered to sing a ballad which she said she had learned from the old yankee sailor who had brought her up and trained her in the art of public speaking before she lived with the mistress of the young ladies school no one urged paul to sing she paid no attention to their silence however but hopped up on the limb of a tree and clinging to it with her ugly hooked claws balanced herself struck an attitude and sang in a husky voice the following ballad once in a pretty woodland near a cabin way out west in a lightning blasted tamarack tree an old crow built his nest and there did he his family in the way that they should go raise up and all were dutiful but the oldest son jim crow chorus caw 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 tis the saddest tale i know This tragic story I relate of the crawfish and the crow. Young Jim Crow, he was venturesome. Much praise his head had swelled. And so against all good advice, his young Crow pride rebelled. If I may not look into life, whatever shall I know? The thing for me is novelty, says reckless young Jim Crow. One day a curious kind of fish, young James Crow he espied. A sunnin' on a sandy bank a runnin' stream beside. And why it wore its bones outside, and had such nipper claws, Jim, maybe cause he was a crow, desired to learn the cause. Says Father Crow, take warnin', Jim, and don't ye peck and peer, ne'er poke your pryin' little bill into everythin' that's queer. But Jim a-peckin' at its feet, for novelty did seek. He found it, for that queer crawfish just caught him by the beak. Jim couldn't caw, he couldn't call, he couldn't croak nor cry. The crawfish clutchin on to him all round and round, he'd fly, and so with it a-hangin on and clinging to his bill, the skeleton of poor Jim Crow just keeps on flyin still, the moral now, all you little birds beware the fate of young Jim Crow, leave other folks' things alone, and let strange fishes go. And Don't ye touch and don't ye taste and don't ye pry and peer just keep your little bills away from things unknown and queer and Mind your eyes and dodge the guns and take advice from me avoid Jim Crow's besettin sin of curiosity End of chapter 14